controversy when it comes to cultural appropriation. What does that mean? And what does it mean for your brand? New Amsterdam Radio starts now. What is going on, everyone in internet land? Thank you so much for tuning into this show, New Amsterdam Radio. It's your host, Flobo Voice, and being the co-founder of New Amsterdam is giving me so much love and so much privilege to do the things that I love to do, and I want to share a little bit of that with you. Uh, of course, you can support the show by telling your friends about it all over where you get your podcasts, and visit New Amsterdam at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. I know things have been busy on my end for a couple weeks. Uh, there haven't been regularly episodes, but statistically speaking, uh, you can even tell. Uh, the response has been pretty positive, and hopefully we get to do more of these as the weeks go on. And of course, New Amsterdam is growing. It's it's building. Uh, we are trying to do new things with, with the brand and what it stands for, so please be on the lookout for that as we venture on. New Amsterdam Radio, of course, was for the official sound of those who are members of the city of creatives those who have pledged their allegiance to the city of new amsterdam uh, this one's for you and we take a look about creative projects and creative people and and those of, of us who are just trying to get our word out there in the creative arts now, it doesn't matter if you are an artist if you are a break dancer it doesn't matter if you create video games in your spare time once you have an original idea intellectual property you have a key to the city. Controversy struck the restaurant world uh, this week where one of the most famous celebrity chefs on the planet, Gordon Ramsay, which, sidebar, I'm a huge fan of. Like, I like the fact he took cuisine as seriously as he did in his past career as a footballer. Um, I've never been to uh, a Gordon Ramsay restaurant or had a meal from a Gordon Ramsay restaurant that I've ever regretted besides my wallet. <laughs> well, controversy struck Gordon Ramsay uh, this week with the uh, preview of his latest restaurant, uh, the Japanese-inspired Lucky Cat. Uh, people uh, have been talking back and forth about this. The, just a little background. It turns out there was a, a tasting, uh, sampling, a preview of the restaurant. And journalists and critics from all walks of life were invited. Uh, it seems that one critic in particular, one of East Asian descent, uh, commented that the whole thing was a bit of a farce, right? The, the, the idea of this Japanese-inspired restaurant uh, ran and founded uh, by non-Asians and having... Uh, critics and other food writers who were not of Asian descent to to write up on the restaurant was a bit of cultural appropriation. And that opened up the debate of what that means uh, for those of us in the ruling cultures and those of us who are in the oppressed cultures. Now, I don't mean that quite literally, uh, but it, is, it definitely seems that and it, the relationship can be dynamic. Like you can be a ruling culture in one aspect or, or one uh, cross section and be the minority or oppressed uh, culture in another. So there is kind of fluidity there. But the idea of uh, a celebrity chef uh, who is white if I can be so frank um, and having this menu created uh, with people who are not Asian and having a restaurant uh, called Lucky Cat is all of that together uh, cultural appropriation is that stealing uh, a bit of the essence of 
if not Pan-Asian cuisine or Pan-Asian culture, specifically Japanese culture. And that ultimately is two schools of thought. You have one side that says, well, it's, it's kind of hard. You know, you, this is a, a chef and like musicians, they should be given the latitude to experiment uh, with different inspirations, with different kinds of music, with different cuisines and cultures. Gordon Ramsay has himself has made a career of, of experimenting with Indian cuisine and French cuisine uh, before with his restaurants. Uh, and then there's also the, the thing on top of that is if we're not allowed to grow, how are we able to experiment and try new fusions of dishes? How are we going to put uh, things that may have been forgotten about back into the forefront? Now, the other side says, well, that's not necessarily his responsibility or that's necessarily fair that one person gets to cherry pick aspects of a culture they like to make something new. If you have to take uh, a part of culture, you should probably make it authentic as possible. Now, if you want my opinion, I'm kind of in the middle there um, because I've seen it happen both ways. Uh, The example I always use is is the Mexican holiday, the Day of the Dead, uh, which is supposed to be a very spiritual holiday where Mexican-Americans or Mexicans in general uh, honor the ancestors and dead. And one of the most notable features of the holiday was of the sugar skulls, right? The decorated painted skulls that people would see in marketplaces and bazaars. And when I, while not it may have a specific religious uh, significance, it is used in that kind of context. And you're seeing sugar skulls on everything, on beer, on baseball teams, on fancy Latino nights, on, on punk rock band, band logos. Um, I am not of Mexican or Mexican descent, but I always wonder if that was what the original intent was. On the flip side, sometimes uh, as a member of the Caribbean American diaspora, my parents are from the West Indies, uh, even though I know when I go to a restaurant that their interpretation of, say, jerk chicken or, or dumplings uh, or even platanos are not prepared the way I'm, I'm used to, it's good to see a bit of comfort there. Uh, and having those dishes to say, okay, this may not be what I'm used to, but then I can bring my friends and go, this is how it is in theory, but the way I know about it is so much different. It's so much better, right? So on one end, you have someone taking culture and is strictly profiting from it. On the other hand, there's that option of opening the conversation to see what was it inspired by and opening up a dialogue. But there's also the third category of actively giving back. And this is what I think Gordon Ramsay kind of missed the ball with, right? So I think it's okay to take aspects of different cultures. And even if you don't necessarily have to have someone of that culture on your team. But when it's presented, uh, you have an opportunity, maybe a responsibility, to get the, the cultural approval or co-sign from people in that original culture. To make sure it's not being disparaged in any way. Right? If you're going to borrow the tools, you got to make sure you're not disparaging the brand. I remember an episode of Family Guy the animated series a couple years ago that featured uh, the characters of The Simpsons on it. Now, if you know The Simpsons and Family Guy are very, very similar, but they have very different interpretations of the family animated sitcom. And you can tell uh, that the show was essentially a Family Guy episode and The Simpsons characters were on loan just by how they were acting. Um, And it was presented as a crossover. And I think 
I'm not even sure what the, uh, the, the overall criticism was, but I rejected that episode because even though uh, you had the characters from that show and the voices of that show, The Simpsons, on Family Guy, it totally did not feel like a true collaboration. It felt like one ruling culture, the culture of the writer's room of Family Guy, <laughs> totally wrote for these other characters as well. And uh, I saw myself rejecting that, not comparing the Asian experience to cartoons, but definitely there is a little bit of a, a formula there as far as making sure if you're taking aspects of other things, that there, there is some sort of approval from the other end. All right, so you're creative. What do you do? Yes, you definitely are inspired by this, this other culture that you are exposed to, and you want to make sure that though the culture that is on the receiving end accepts it. Does that mean, though, that you have to think about that end result before you create? It's a difficult question to answer, because I would say the answer is no, you shouldn't. You should create first and then determine after the fact whether it's appropriate in good taste, if it's ready, ready not now, discard, all that thing. You always create first and edit later. But I know human beings, uh, for better or for worse, are way too advanced for that. And sometimes we have that self-editor while we create. And the, ask, the actual answer to that is, if you're that kind of person where you have uh, that like editor going while you're creating, is to always build a knowledge base. If you're not sure about something, call someone up and say, what do you think? Pitch it in a way, if you're, if you're nervous about someone stealing your idea, pitch it in a way that's pretty, pretty much generic or general, so no one uh, goes after your idea or steals it from underneath you or something. But really get the buy-in from the people that you eventually think will be your stakeholders, if not your customers or clients. Here's really your chance to even maybe get even new ideas and mix that into something even better. Because ultimately, that's what we want to do. We want to keep pushing our art forward and do it in such a way where we can grow the right way. I want to say thank you so much for tuning into this episode of New Amsterdam Radio. This episode and all episodes are available, except for the first one, that's a long story, are available wherever you stream your podcast. Flobo, that's me. I'm the host. You can check me out at flobito.com, F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Flobo Voice on Twitter, at Flobito on Instagram, and newamsterdam.com, K-N-E-W, Amsterdam.com, where we are doing things for creative people. Pick up yourself a notebook one or a pocket case and tell your friends all about it. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, the city is yours.